there's one thing it'd be great for us to get as we're here tonight. It's that we owe everything to our great Saviour. You know, so um, if you're here tonight for the first time or you're just visiting, we just, um, yeah, hope you have a great night with us. And we really hope that you're encouraged um, in your investigation of who Jesus is or in your seeking to follow the way of Jesus. So um, we really hope, yeah, that you get that out tonight. And hey, at the end of the service, we have tea and coffee, 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 whatever coffee is, but you can get a coffee as well. So stick around and meet some of the, the regular guys. Um, when you came in, you would have received a, a bulletin, and in the bulletin there's a blue response card, and this is the way that you can communicate um, whether or not you want to join a small group or whether or not you um, want us to pray for anything for you, if you want to catch up with someone, questions, whatever, that's the, the way we really do that on the Sunday night. So during the service, if you could fill that out in your own time, that'd be great. And then after the service is finished, there's a, a, a blue box down the end there on a little table in front of the tech desk. Um, so you can kind of pop your response card in there. Um, also, in the, the bulletin, there's just a, a couple of things I want to bring your attention to. Uh, the first one is um, this Tuesday, there's a day of prayer, um, or not a day of prayer, a time of prayer being hosted out at the Hume Weir Resort, uh, sorry, Hume Weir at 12 o'clock Tuesday. And it's basically just trying to encourage everybody to get there and pray for uh, the position of drought we find ourselves in for another year. So being without... Um, water, many of our farms, our whole land needs that. So this is a time we can just go and pray for this specific thing. So Tuesday, 12 o'clock at the Hume Weir, uh, and then at 1 o'clock it's also going to be meeting uh, at the Causeway behind the information desk at Wodonga. So details are on the front there. If you want more information, speak to uh, Glenda Taylor or Mary Copeland and the mobile phone numbers are there. Um, the Christmas musical audition scripts are also available, so you can pick them up um, at the information desk after the service for you, all you budding um, kind of talented actors, musos, that sort of thing. Uh, and the real gig sort of starts on the 6th of October, so um, get ready for that. Well, tonight we've got uh, two offerings, uh, and I said last week that we're going to take up a special offering for Pam and Graham Keane, um, who are... Um, about to sort of are waiting on the money to be able to go over to Malawi and, and help out the Gervans over there. So you, if you're not familiar, the Gervans are already in Malawi and they do um, Bible translation and they try and empower people to kind of take the gospel into the world. Uh, and the Keens are going to go over there and they're going to do the admin work for um, Scott Gervin. So that frees him up more so he can actually get on with the task of encouraging people in their faith. So we're going to have that later on in the service. Um, for that. So if you've come prepared, that's great. If you haven't, you can bring money next week and put it in an envelope and sort of give, us, give it to us then. Um, right now, we're going to have our normal offering. Um, so if you're a regular here, this is where we, we give to the, to the church uh, and to the work that God is doing through this church. So as we come to take up our, our normal offering, um, let me pray for us. Father God, we just want to say hallelujah to the King. And uh, you're a great God. Um, God, you're so overwhelmingly generous to us. And uh, we just, uh, to, be, to be children of God through faith in Jesus, this is profound. This is life-changing stuff, God. And I would just pray that you'd make that more and more known to us, who we are in you, Jesus, and the life you have laid out for us to live now. God, as we come to give, we give as, uh, as an expression of our love to you, and of our dependence on you, Lord Jesus. And Father, we give and we just ask that 
you know, you teach us to be generous givers, Lord, and generous with all that we give. And Father, that this, uh, through this offering, Lord, your kingdom would come and your people would be empowered, equipped, and, and uh, yeah, many people would come to know Jesus as a result. Father God, we love you and we give to glorify your name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So your normal offering will be collected and, uh, yeah, the offering stewards. to us tonight. Speak to us tonight. Lead us in your way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, um, please turn with them to Galatians chapter 6, our final message on Galatians. Chapter 6, we're going to read verses 11 to 18. Once again, um, great thing to do to bring your Bibles to church so you can follow along and kind of, you know, open up the Bible, because you might not open it up at home, so you've got to open it up somewhere. Joke. <laughs> All right, sorry. Uh, Galatians 6, verses 11 to 18. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid, avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. May I never boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, even to the Israel of God. Finally, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear in my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Uh, I've titled this message, uh, What Matters? I want to begin with a little intro. I'll tell you what, up, up to this point in time, up to this very point in time, there's been an awful lot of boasting going on. Um, Some words you might have heard, domination, world domination, awesome, skillful, beautiful, united, maybe even poetic and graceful. You've heard the statistics. Something like 42 out of 44 games won in the last two years. They won the grand final last year and they were odds-on favourites for 2008. The Geelong Football Club. The boasting has ended. Uh, Commiserations. Commiserations to the footy club and to all the fans. Congratulations to Hawthorne. That's a fair crack, isn't it? You can tell uh, what matters to people by what they boast in. Actually, we should probably pause now, shouldn't we? It's like someone's died. Maybe a moment of silence. No, but you can tell what matters to people by what they boast in. Boastful Geelong fans, they love the Geelong Footy Club. That's great. 
What do you boast in? What do you talk up? What do you, what do you find it? I don't care. <laughs> Carlton. Someone said Carlton. Did you say Carlton? Anyway, sorry. Um, what do you boast in? What do you talk up? What do you find yourself talking about? And therefore, what is it that matters to you? And I wonder, has it anything to do with Jesus? In tonight's passage, there is boasting going on. There's the boasting of some people within the church of Galatia, and there's boasting um, of Paul. The passage, it sounds a final warning. It's uh, Paul saying, guys, please, before I finish this letter, hear this Warning. It kind of wraps up the message of Galatians. And it's the warning of, you know, what's worth boasting in? What's worth caring about? What's, what is it that's worth boasting in? And what is it that doesn't matter at all? I wonder tonight, what matters to you? Has it got anything to do with Jesus? Please look with me back at verse 11. This is what, some, uh, what matters to some people. See what large letters I used to write as I write to you with my own hand. Now, I'm not going to look at that verse, but I think right now I'll tell you. Some say when he wrote Galatians, um, he got a scribe to write the whole thing. So he didn't write the letter. He kind of verbalized it to another person, and they wrote the letter down. And here, Paul grabs a pen. And he's just writing it to emphasise the point. Let's move on. Those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law, yet they want you to be circumcised, that they may boast about your flesh. In this text we read about some Christians who are trying to compel other Christians to get circumcised. Now, that's got to sound weird um, to us right here. Like, why are they doing that? Hopefully, and my guess is that tonight, you've come in and no one has been hassling you about that. So there's a bit of a context we've got to understand. Very important to this context is the fact that the Jewish faith came before the Christian faith. The Jewish faith came first. It was present first. People were seeking to live, know God, um, through the Jewish faith. And then within the Jewish faith, Jesus rose up. People were practicing Judaism. And then from amongst the Jewish people, Jesus rose up. And he said this, if anyone wants to know God, and live for God, then come follow me in my way. Jesus, within the Jewish faith, says that. He says, if you really want to know God and live a life that honours him, then come and follow me. And what Jesus said and did was profound. People who interacted with him in his day said he spoke as one with power and authority, not just as one um, as a teacher or a leader of the Jewish faith. So within the, the Jewish faith, People started following Jesus. Jewish people giving their life over to Jesus Christ. We could almost say in the beginning, Christianity was part of the Jewish faith. 
At this time, the early days, the followers of Jesus, they would have been mostly Jews and would have kept many of the traditions and the laws of the Jewish faith, the Jewish people. They would have attended the annual festo- festivals like Passover and the Festival of the Booths. And they would have circumcised their males. And we've done lots of other stuff. But in time, um, non-Jews, what they call Gentiles, non-Jewish people started following Jesus as well. People like you and I. People who had no allegiance to the original Jewish faith. People who didn't follow the traditions or know the traditions or the laws of the Jewish faith. They didn't go to temple or the synagogue for worship. They didn't attend the annual festivals. They didn't have their males circumcised. For Jesus, his main concern for those that followed him was that they be truly righteous people. And in being truly righteous, they would be people who seek to love God with their absolute everything, and that they'd be people who love their neighbour as much as they love themselves. In the eyes of Jesus, true righteousness was important, not the belief that outward traditions can make you holy in God's sight, make you righteous in his sight. That wasn't as important to Jesus. He was about the heart of people. He was about their deep convictions. That's Jesus' concern about true righteousness, according to Jesus. But the leaders of the Jewish faith, at the same time, they are deeply concerned about the development of this um, heresy within the faith, because Jesus, he's in the faith, he rose up from within it. They're, they're concerned about the development of false teaching within Judaism. The, the, the leadership of the Jewish people were so concerned about the development of this new false movement that they started to persecute Jesus. They were angry at this new way that threatened their faith. They were so angry that they would do anything. And to, all that they, and to all that call themselves a follower of Jesus, they would also do it to them, including crucify the leader, including um, murdering many of the other followers. There's a context. What we read of tonight, Christians trying to compel other Christians to get circumcised. Now, more to the point, we have Jewish Christians... Jewish Christians trying to convert the new incoming non-Jewish Christians to, the, to be circumcised. These people were called the Judaizers. These people who were trying to kind of like Jewify, Judaize the non-Jewish Christians. So you can imagine it. A person becomes a follower of Jesus. They're not Jewish, they become a follower of Jesus. And these guys, the Judaizers, say, righto, It's time for you to get circumcised and start following the rest of our laws and our traditions. It's time for you to become a little bit more Jewish. And they were doing this because they wanted the Christians to fit into the Jewish faith of which it came about. They were trying to compel people to be circumcised because they didn't want to get persecuted for the way of Jesus. You can imagine a couple of Judaizers They're walking down the street of Jerusalem and all of a sudden around a corner comes a couple of uh, Jewish religious leaders. The Jewish leaders, they see them, they get an eye on them and then they quickly walk in their direction, clearly with an agenda. Now they know these two guys because they've been at the temple and they've been with these other guys that have been following the way of Jesus. And And they have a go at them. They get to them and they have a go at them for tearing apart the fabric of the Jewish faith. They have a go at them 
for following that heretic, Jesus. And the Judaizers, they reply, no, 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 don't put us in that basket. We support the Jewish faith. We can tell you we support it so much that we even encourage the Gentiles, the non-Jewish Christians, we encourage them to follow the ways of our laws and traditions. Oh, no, 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 we are, we are in with you guys. Two Judaizers boasting in the flesh of Gentile Christians, seeking to win favour with the Jewish leaders, seeking to avoid persecution. Let's read those two verses again. It might make a bit more sense. Those who want to make a good impression outwardly to the Jewish leaders are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. What matters to some, what matters to these Judaizers is boasting in the flesh of these other people, these other Christians, making them adhere to the customs of the Jewish faith. And they're, they're boasting to avoid persecution. What they are boasting about, what really you can see matters to these Judaizers is their own well-being by staying with the crowd, protecting their own well-being, doing what everybody else is doing. Put very simply, they're more concerned with what the world thinks than what Jesus thinks. They're more concerned with what the world thinks than what Jesus thinks. Now we must um, understand that their physical well-being, maybe even their um, very lives, were at stake here. They sought to fit in with a crowd because otherwise they might suffer the same fate as Jesus Christ. So on one hand, it's quite understandable uh, why they sought to stay with the crowd, with the world. But either way you look at it, the answer is the same. What matters to the Judaizers is still what people of the world think, not what Jesus thinks. They're They're worried about what people of the world think. Not following Jesus whatever the cost. It uh, reminds me of high school. And I started to think about this. I start shuddering uh, of the, the pressure you can get at high school. You can feel on a daily basis. It reminds me of high school when on a Monday morning, after a weekend, we used to stand around with the boys. Uh, and all the boys would start uh, talking about the exploits of the weekend, um, talking about the girls are uh, with... You know, what they did and how awesome it was, talking about girls as if they were a product to be consumed, sharing the vivid details in, in language that was appalling, talking about girls but also talking about how they got drunk and how fun it was getting having and the stupid things they did. You know. And in the midst of the conversation, I would find myself feeling the pressure to fit in. I would feel the pressure even to say something in the same vein, the same line of thinking that that they were talking about, so that they would know without a doubt that I am with them, that I am no different. I would feel like I need to be part of it some way so that I wouldn't have the crowd turn on me 
and persecute me for being different. And on Monday mornings during these days at school, I would stray for a moment from the way of Jesus. And I would join their broken movement, the the religion of self-satisfaction, not the religion of self-sacrifice. Now, if I could picture the face of Jesus at these moments, I'm sure he would have been looking at me with a face of missed opportunity. What really matters to some is what people of the world think. That's what matters to them, not what Jesus thinks. I wonder, is this what matters to you? Or what matters to Paul? Verse 14, we read this. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. This is interesting. Paul is saying that he will only ever, he will only ever boast in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Boasting in the moment when Jesus died for the sin of the world. You know, it's really impossible to comprehend uh, the fullness and the total significance of this moment to history. God. God making himself to take on human form and then God in human form um, giving himself to be killed on a cross. Killed at the hands of sinful humanity. All for the sake of sinful humanity. That in part of God's, you know, Jesus, in his death, God might provide a moment in history where the sin of humanity could be completely punished, completely dealt with, enabling humanity to be reunited with God. Phenomenal. How many times do you hear that and you go like, yeah, that's cool. It's just like, don't get it. Paul boasts in this moment. He looks at the cross of Jesus Christ and he sees, sees in it two quite amazing things. He sees in it two things. He sees in it both the moment he himself died and the moment he himself lives. Through the cross, Paul says, the world has been crucified to me and I have been crucified to the world. This has in it the sense that any friendship, any relationship between Paul and the world, it's ended. Paul, through the cross, dies to the world. Then as Paul dies to the world through the cross, he also begins to live. He now, through the cross, becomes a new creation. Paul, at the cross, sees the moment he is born anew in Jesus to a new way of life. Paul's dead to the world on one hand, and on the other hand, Paul becomes alive to living for Jesus. What matters to Paul is following Jesus. What matters to Paul is being alive to Jesus, being alive to his way. What matters to Paul is being dead to the world, dead to the ways of the world. 
This is what happens to anyone who truly places their faith in Jesus Christ. Through the cross, they die to the world and they are born anew to live for Jesus. This change is big. This change is drastic. So you're, you're dead, all right? Dead to Jesus, alive to the world. You meet Jesus, you're dead to the world, and you become alive to Jesus. Let me illustrate this. Um, I want an audience participation here. Are you ready? Prepare yourself? Good. Let me ask you to raise your hands if you're a single person. You haven't got a husband, you haven't got a serious friend. Come on, bold, put it up here. Yep. Good, all right. Got camera, got photo. Now, question for you. Raise your hands. Are you on the lookout for a nice person to get a little bit more acquainted with? No, don't, don't do that. <laughs> Dodgy. It's like, right, we're going to do now is uh, speed dating. Okay, divide up. No, sorry. Um, I reckon, um, as a single person, you uh, may well be on the lookout for someone. Highly probable that you're on the lookout for a nice person of the opposite sex. Someone you can spend time with. Someone that's encouraging. A person you would enjoy being around. A person that you can support and love in life. Yeah? Oh yeah, it's just warming your heart. Are you out there? Before I got married, I find it hard to remember a time I wasn't on the lookout for a nice girl. I really do. I find it pretty much impossible. As a bloke, it occupied so much of my thinking. It didn't seem to matter where I was. It didn't matter at all. I was always planning and scheming and thinking about how I could attract the right girl. You could say I was alive to the potential of someone to meet. I was very alive and on the lookout for a girl. Now, when a person gets married, it all changes drastically, or at least it should all change. After I got married to Michelle... Um, I still have female friends. But the thought, the the hope or desire of pursuing a friendship beyond just a plutonic friendship, that has died. That's died. I can honestly say that for every other female in the world, every other girl in the world, on anything more than a friendship, that person is dead to me. They're dead to me as more than just a friend. I'm alive to but one. I'm alive to my wife, Michelle. I am hers. My life is given over to her. Anything else, any other girl above friendship, I'm dead to them. Anyone who truly places their faith in Jesus Christ, through the cross, they die to the old one, the old partner, the old, the old girl, the old boy. They, they die and they're alive to live a new life for Jesus. This change is big, this change is drastic. Now Paul is frustrated by the Judaizers and those being influenced by them because they're more concerned with the old flame. They're more concerned with... what the world's people think and protecting their own welfare than they are with Jesus. They claim to be living for Jesus, following his way, alive only to him, but they're still alive to pursuing um, this other pathway of pleasing people. 
What matters to Paul? Following Jesus, being alive to Jesus, being alive to his way, dead to the world, dead to the world's way. Well, that's what matters to the Judaizers and that's what matters to Paul. I wonder if I ask you the question, what would your answer be? What really matters to you? Has it got anything to do with Jesus? This is uh, so important for us to think about. Paul, after saying what matters to him, he says, verse 16, peace and mercy to all who follow this rule. Peace and mercy, peace with God, mercy from God, from now for all eternity, to all who follow this rule. Who do you most resemble? The Judaizers or Paul? Worth thinking about. It's interesting that I I could get up here and uh, before I got up, I thought, oh, gee, do I just leave my notes and just rant at everybody? And you just, come on, let's follow Jesus. I was just going like, got to do something, you know, like let's follow Jesus. You know, the interesting thing, it doesn't matter a word what I say up here or the way I scream it or yell it or whisper it or whatever. If you and I, if you and I don't stop and think and ask God to show us, who cares? Who do you most resemble? Really worth a thought. The Judaizers, they're on about um, what the world's people think. That's what they're on about. That's what matters to them. They live in a way they can blend in. They live in a way that they won't get persecuted. They live in a way to please the people of the world. Even when Jesus says, even when Jesus calls them, he commands them, follow my way, stand out for me. The way of the world. What matters to Paul is looking for Jesus, following the way of Jesus no matter what, being dead to the world. Who do you resemble? Are you a Judaizer? Or are you more like Paul? Jesus or the world? Now, we need to ask this question about every, every kind of element of our lives. Are we on about Jesus here? Or are we on about and influenced by what the world wants for us? We have to be ruthless. We have to be ruthless at digging through every part of our life. Career. Are you on about what Jesus wants in your career or what the world says you should have? What about a partner? What about um, sport? Or what about money? What about time? What about lifestyle? Are you on about what Jesus wants or are you on about what the world wants for you? What about your choice of cars? What about choices? What about sexuality? What about consumerism? What really matters to you in these areas? Only you know. You can fool all of us, but you can't fool God. Jesus or the world? Now, Jesus really... It's drawing a line in the sand, people. And it's our daily duty to decide and choose what side of the line are we going to stand on. It's really important for us to examine our hearts, to ask God, to really pray to God to actually reveal that to us. If you pray, then pray this. If you don't pray, start praying this. God, where is my error here? 
Lead me in your way. Listen to the psalmist who puts it like this. Search me, O God. Search every fibre of me. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. God, see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That should be our prayer, people. That should be our prayer with everything. Is there any aspect that you are following that resembles the way of the world, the Judaizers, instead of the way of Jesus? If there is, Paul would say, leave it at the cross. Let it die. Repent of it, turn away from it, and follow Jesus. How often do you hear that? How often do we do it? Now, the truth is that Jesus knows we struggle with following his way all the time. He knows that. And do you know what? He died on the cross for that. He died on the cross for your past sins. He died on the cross for your present sin. And he died on the cross for your future sin. He has dealt with that if your faith is in him. Jesus' desire for us is that right now, from this moment, when we wake up tomorrow morning, when we wake up the next day, when we wake up the day after that, his desire is that we would choose to act and follow in the way of Jesus. We're a new creation in Jesus Christ. And each new day, people, is a day we choose the way of Jesus. So let's die to the world and get on with the task. Let's do it. Die to the world and get on with the task of following the way of Jesus. If you know another way of Jesus, once again, pray to him, talk to him, ask him. Study him in the scriptures and follow his example of knowing God. Follow his example of loving the church here. Follow his example of loving the world and serving the world out there. Time is too precious, people, to be getting sidetracked with the ways of the world. What really matters to you? As I conclude, I want to give you a short glimpse into what God is actually doing in the world, of what God is inviting you and I to be a part of. Every one of us is saying, do you want to join? Do you want to join this? When God sent Jesus into the world, you've got to understand, he was beginning of movement. The movement was not based on hatred or violence, but on mercy and sacrificial love to other people. The movement is made up of men and women who have been rejoined to the presence of God through Jesus and for eternity. These men and women are fueled and empowered by the Spirit of God living within them. And their mission? Revolutionise the world order. Revolution. That's what he is making this movement for, to affect change in the world, to affect change in a world that has elements of goodness in it because of God, but that is of itself um, self-centred and decaying in nature. The revolution is to change this place into one marked by the love of God in every sphere of life. This is amazing stuff. So you think about all the things that you're a part of, And God's saying, move, guys, let's change, let's affect change, let's revolutionise this place through love and sacrificial giving, relationships. Think of the ones you're a part of. Think of your homes. Think of um, where you go to school or uni or where you work. Think of the people you interact with. And God wants you to follow Jesus' way into there. 
He wants you to love and serve people. He wants you to help them get to know him. He wants you to us to change social structures. He wants to change the world order. And he's saying, do you want to be a part of it? He's inviting you and I to be a part of it. Changing something from a busted up, tarnished, sin-stained kingdom into a place marked by the rule of God, of peace and love, now and for always. Right relationship between people and people. Right relationship between people and God. This is the movement that Jesus says, come and join. Now, tomorrow morning, the next day. Time is precious. What matters to you? These few verses we've been looking at tonight, the last few in the conclusion of Paul's letter to the Galatians. And in them, he's urging the church to come back to Jesus and live his way. This is a concluding statement. This is Paul giving one last final crack at pleading, at urging these people to return to Jesus. And tonight, he's doing the same for us. And we must, like the church in Galatia, we must hear this pleading and we must act. We must return to Jesus to make living for Jesus the most important thing in life. We must be dead to the world. I wonder what you will do with this, what you will do with Paul's last challenge to us. Nothing happens if you close up. Nothing happens if you get hard to it. Nothing happens if you choose not to do anything from it. We must, for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of our, our love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, um, you give us Jesus. You give us life. You give us freedom from sin. Oh God, forgive us when we, what matters to us is the ways of the world and not your way, Jesus, of loving like you loved, of serving this broken world like you served. Father God, I, I pray that you would change us. I pray that, um, that if we don't, if the world matters to us tonight, Lord Jesus, help us over, just dethrone that and, and turn away and repent of that. Help us put our faith in you, Jesus. And for those of us who are striving to follow you, Jesus, just help us do that more and more. Help us know that we're your children. Help us know that right now we are, are invited to this mission to speak out, to act in love, to serve this broken world to affect change, to be part of your movement. God, use us, move us to, to make this world a place that is uh, more like the way you want it. Father God, we pray this in Jesus' name.